Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Rock and Talk with Dak. Today, we're continuing the show's LGBT recognition with another Pride Month spotlight. Today, we're talking about the Village People and the B-52s. First off, before I get started, huge thanks to everyone supporting the show. Uh, we've now hit 300 downloads. Uh, super cool and humbling to see that number rise every month, and, and it keeps going. So please keep tuning in every week and keep on spreading the word and sharing the show. It, it means a lot. Actually, in writing this episode and looking back at how I've consumed music and the music that I listen to, I feel I feel that more and more as the show goes on that this is what I was meant to do. This is, is to be in music in some way, shape, or form. And this is a starting point. So thank you and, and love, love to all of you. Um, alrighty, let's dive in. So let's start with the village people since they did start first. So a cowboy, an Indian, a construction worker, a cop, a leatherman, and a soldier walk into a bar. <laughs> I'm kidding. But then again, kind of not. <laughs> In the 70s, there was a huge boom of macho imagery populating New York's uh, Greenwich Village, which is the band's namesake, and at the time known for its largely gay population. After all, it was the epicenter of the Stonewall Riots of June 28, 1969. A local French producer, uh, Jacques Morali, and his business partner decided to test the waters of this new boom and began to make an album marketed solely to the gay community. This led to the group's self-titled debut album in 1977 with the hit San Francisco, You've Got Me. After much hype from a, hilariously enough, straight audience, the group was booked a TV performance. But there was only one problem. There was only one actual member, singer Victor Willis. So, Morale set out, and he gathered a group of macho men who could sing, dance, and, and have a mustache. And thus, the group that we know as the Village People today was born. They went on to release four albums between 1978 and 1979 alone, and another four after that. Though they didn't really have much of a life into the 80s, you know, peaking in popularity with the releases such as Macho Man in the Navy, which... And the Navy is notable for their music video because, I mean, of all things to happen, the U.S. Navy itself actually let the band take over the Navy base in San Diego for filming. And they had actually considered using the song as part of their recruitment advertising. I suppose stranger things have happened. And then, of course, the infectious and classic timeless YMCA. Now, despite their inception and the macho, gay fantasy imagery, it's still debated as to whether or not they're considered a gay group. Regardless of the debate, there is no denying the pop culture staying power that the group has had within the LGBT community itself, and a lot of their success is owed to them. The carefree indulgence of the dance floor throughout the 70s provided a safe haven from the daily suppression within, within street society. And I can happily say... My, my, what a long ways that we've come. There's still work to do, for sure. It's not perfect. But we are a far cry from those days. And then I guess, real quick, talk, kind of talk about how I was introduced to Village People. Um, I think it was, growing up, we had a couple of disco CDs. I think it was actually called Pure Disco. And it was a, a Volume 1 and a Volume 2. And obviously YMCA was on there, Macho Man was on another, and a couple of their other songs. And I, for anyone who doesn't like disco, and I mean hate disco in the strongest sense of the word, because there are people who genuinely hate disco. 
I'm sorry, you're a monster. <laughs> you're a monster. You're you're wrong because there are so many themes out of disco, um, kind of the genesis of some of the music that we have today, like the four on the floor bass. That was very widely popularized with disco. Um, there's a lot of bass playing that is some some funk going on that still continues today. Like we would not have Lady Gaga's Chromatica this year were it not for disco back then. And while the village people weren't around very long in the 70s, you know, they kind of that trend of music, the disco was on its way out by the time they had started, but they made the best use of that time. And now we have classics like YMCA and Macho Man. You know, so that's that's my take on on the band and the music. Alrighty, on to the B-52s. So, I, I've grown up with the band, not in the sense that I've been around as long as they have, but growing up as a kid, I remember listening to this music, I mean, almost 20 years now. It's, it's got to be, maybe not quite that long, but I started listening to their CD. My mom had the Time Capsule compilation disc. Um, I think that came out in 1998. And I, just, I wanted to listen to that all the time. And, I mean, road trips. I remember taking road trips out to California to see family. And, you know, if mom would take turn driving, you know, she'd have that CD and throw it in. And I was, it was, I was captivated by it. It was infectious. The, they were fun and goofy. I didn't understand what it was necessarily that I was attracted to, and I still don't. But I just really liked the band, and I wanted more of it. And for the longest time, that's like all I listened to. And my mom finally got to the point she had to say, no, you're not going to listen to that today. Because, like, seriously, I would have the CD on repeat. I don't know why, but I would. I loved that music. And it took a little while to get outside of outside of their greatest hits and listen to some other stuff, but... Um, you know, that they have a, they have a place in my heart for sure. Um, and I guess let, let's get into a little bit of info on the band itself. The group kind of, they, they got their start. I don't remember if it was, it was probably Fred or Kate that was talking about how they started. And they had actually, that all of the, the five members, they were all friends and they were at a Chinese restaurant in 76 and they're like, Hey, you want to do this thing? So it consists of, so there's three vocalists, Fred, Kate, and Cindy. Um, Ricky, who's the guitarist, who is, uh, who was older brother to Cindy. And Keith, who, who was on the drums. And they were, they were a make-your-own-fun kind of man. And boy, is that ever true. And their first gig was actually, I think it was a Valentine's Day house party. And then from then on, I mean... They were infectious. You know, the guitar was tuned weird. They had the call and response vocals. Like, they were a hit. And that led them to their debut album in 1979. And for anyone who knows the band, one of their biggest hits, Rock Lobster. And, I mean, this band's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. I mean, their lyrics sometimes make absolutely no sense. I mean, like Rock Lobster, Boys in Bikinis, Girls on Surfboards. Like, come on. And the, the weird vocals that they have in there, the uh, Kate and Cindy doing the weird fish noises, I, you don't have that in music very much. But it is so endearing to me and part of why I love them. Uh, sadly, uh, you know, as the 80s continued and the AIDS um, pandemic con continued, 
uh, Ricky Wilson uh, sadly passed away in 85 due to complications from AIDS. And because of that, that really sent the band into a hiatus. But they came back, uh, I, I'd have to say stronger than ever, uh, with the slick production of Cosmic Thing in 89. And it, it, it's, a, it's a turning point for the band. It is a, to me, it's a mature album. And I think of songs like Deadbeat Club that really emphasize that. Uh, but they continued on. They had another album, I think, in 92, Good Stuff. And I want to do an episode on Good Stuff, because that album, the entirety of it, is just so phenomenal. It's mature sounding. They still have fun. It is still quintessential B-52s, but there's something about that album, you know, pushing the limits of what they can do as artists and making compositions that are, are longer in length and just super cool. Anyway, so they had 16-year break before coming back in 2008 with Funplex. And what's really interesting is, like, no matter what decade the B-52s has been in, their quirkiness has just fit so well. You know, whether it's the, the 80s and, and the culture of the 80s, the weirdness of the 90s or the 2000s, like, they just fit. Um, but I guess to wrap it up, as one of their songs is titled, They Followed Their Bliss. And I'll wrap it up with a quote from Keith. He says, We were saying it was okay to be different just by living it. Being gay was just part of it. Just do your thing and your sexual orientation is just part of it. And that's the B-52s in a nutshell. They, like I said earlier, they're weird, they're goofy, and they don't care. And they've always been that way. And because of that, I think that's, as an adult now, part of probably why I was you know, attracted to, to them because they were weird and goofy. And I, I was a weird, goofy kid growing up. And I just, I connected on that level with them. So that's the B-52s and, and the village people, another Pride Month spotlight. So, alrighty, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check out my uh, other episode from today. Did a, a tune talk and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, or otherwise. If you enjoy the show, please leave a comment, drop a rating, or spread the word. It all helps. Um, huge thanks to your continued support. Again, 300 downloads as of today, a little over. Uh, so thanks for making that happen. And we're, we got bigger, better things coming on the way. So have a great weekend, and we will see you Monday.